0: Welcome back into the Two Point Conversion Podcast. As always, I'm Levi. A little bit of a difference this week. Now I'm going to be joined by Josh. He's actually on a cruise this week. So I will be taking us through the college slate. And then later on, we're going to have a special guest to come in and help me make some of these NFL picks. Uh, But before that, we're going to go over a little bit of what, what happened last week with our college bets. I can't actually believe it. I'm pretty shocked that Liberty lost that game outright you guys listened to last week's episode, I I had provided a mountain of evidence as to why Liberty was the right call in that game. Maybe you could have argued with me that the points were a lot to lay, that they might not get home on that. But the fact that they lost that game outright is just inconceivable to me. Um, Malik Willis had a really tough day, three picks. That's just really hard to predict. Uh, And even the statistics that we could use to try to predict that, ULM was not good in Havoc, so it was pretty surprising to me, that loss. Um, I didn't actually watch this game personally. I was in the movie theaters watching the new James Bond movie, first movie that I've been to since the pandemic hit. So it was kind of nice to be back in that and the reclining chairs, but I digress. We We lost outright against ULM. And then our next game, we did actually watch this game, Florida, at LSU, is a bit surprising to see the Gators come out as flat as they did. I thought LSU was far more competitive in that game. Uh, it looked like they were really invested in getting a win out of that, which was not really what we've seen this year from LSU. And we know now, we, we said that Coach O was on the hot seat last week. We know now, a week removed or five days removed, Coach O won't be back. Uh, it's interesting piece of news there. You wonder if the players got up for that some of these players were on that title team and I don't think you can really overstate how important that is for some guys to have been with a coach who took them to a championship level. When you're in the trenches every single week and you're, you're battling and you're bleeding out there. You mean it's really bonding, you know? And so I, I can't say the LSU is going to play this way the rest of the year. Some of this is on Florida. It's not just to say LSU is all of a sudden a world beater. Florida was, just having a little bit of bad luck i think on some of the turnovers anthony richardson and emory jones i mean they were throwing some balls in the middle of the field that were some of them were inaccurate underthrown and some of them were just playing bad luck i mean passes that were getting tipped and a guy was right there to get the the interception and i don't every it seemed like every time lsu had an interception they had a giant return on it so it put a lot of stress on the florida defense the Hail Mary at halftime, I wondered if that would have been the turning point of the game. Uh, there were three LSU defenders right there. None of them really made a play on the ball, and, and they gave up a touchdown for that. And that's a moment where I would think that a team would fall apart. But LSU, as we know, they held on for the win. Not going to spill too much blood about that. We had Marshall at North Texas last week. That was on Friday night. That one came home, and that one was a really good game. Marshall, I think, is back to what they do best, and that's passing the ball. And it's exactly what we predicted, right? Uh, Marshall's passing offense did well, but the North Texas defense just didn't do enough to hold them at bay. It it was 42-7 at halftime. So this was an absolutely dominating performance by Marshall. They only scored seven points the rest of the game, but it didn't matter. They They had such a big lead that they ended up covering anyway. Moving on, UCF at Cincinnati. I think we need to just adjust our expectations with Cincinnati at this point. They're rolling. Uh, They're not taking their foot off the gas. Fickle's got this team as focused as can be. I don't know if we'll see another hiccup the rest of the way. Cincinnati's going to have a tough time making a bid for the college football playoff just because that schedule's so weak. Um, There may not be another ranked team in their future right now until they get to the AAC title game. So Cincinnati's rolling. They're not taking anybody lightly right now. I am not going to step in front of that train for a bit. Um, It's just way too dangerous right now. The, The craziest cover of the weekend, I think, was the under in Toledo at Central Michigan. So this game should have been over. Central Michigan gives up a touchdown under a minute and a half to Toledo. Toledo ties the game. They go into overtime. At this point... The totals is 23-23, so the to- the totals at 46. One touchdown, and we're, we're done, basically. Um, but it was kind of a miracle. The one outcome that we needed to get under our number when you go to overtime, we just needed one of those teams to kick a field goal and then get a stop when the other team got the ball. That's exactly what happened. I'm not ever going to complain or feel bad about... When you cover and sometimes you shouldn't because there's times when you should, co- when you, or I'm not going to complain about times when you, you do cover, but you shouldn't because there's times when you should cover and you don't. So you have to, you have to take the good with the bad there. So we, we take that when we move on. And then finally, we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit moving, moving forward, but uh, Iowa State, I mean, we called October. Brock Purdy coming into this into this game was ten and two, straight up in his career in October. That number improved to eleven and two. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, does Kansas State travel well? I'm not sure. But Iowa State to me really seems like they're coming into their own at the right time. Um, so that that's just a, a brief recap on our picks last week. And since Josh isn't here, there's really not a whole lot of chit chat to be had. So. I'm just going to go ahead and, and jump right into my college football bets for week eight. We're going to start this off with Oklahoma laying 38 and a half on the road at Kansas. Um, it, you guys have been watching college football just like I have. I think we all realize Caleb Williams is, is a ju- he's turned Oklahoma into a juggernaut. Caleb Williams is turning Oklahoma into the team that we thought Spencer Rattler would have them at. Um, and, speaking of Spencer Rattler you really have to consider when you when you look at OU's numbers that Spencer Rattler is has an impact on those numbers i mean he played most of the games to this point so uh, it's not all on Caleb Williams it's not necessarily to say that the stats we have here will continue but i like them to continue Caleb Williams look really good but Oklahoma right now they are 11th in passing and rushing success rate so they're crushing it they're staying on schedule on offense, um, another way to call your rushing success rate is just called efficiency. How efficiently do you move down the field? Uh, this Oklahoma offense is 12th in offense at PPA. So there's no question to me that, that Oklahoma can score. Um, Kansas just isn't going to bring much to the table in terms of defense. They don't have – they have probably – they have the worst defensive passing success rate in the country. Their defensive line gets no movement. Um, but really, when you have to cover a number this big, what you have to be worried about are these are these backdoor touchdowns or just the momentary lapses in concentration by the favorite because if Oklahoma scores 42 points, they can't give up a touchdown or they don't cover. So can they cover, can they keep Kansas off the scoreboard? And when we look at Kansas's offense, which is just abysmal, they run about 57% of the time. And... They're only 107th in rushing success rate. So not a whole lot of a validating piece of information for Kansas. I think betting against Kansas, we feel good about that. But how does Oklahoma do against the rush? They're 27th in defensive rushing success rate. They're 15th in stuff rate. And they're 12th in defensive line yards. So this Oklahoma defensive line doesn't back down. They're not letting the offensive line push into them very far. 15th in stuff rate. They're stopping people at the line of scrimmage or... They're getting negative yardage on that, which would tie into their Havoc numbers. Um, Passing the ball, I'm really not worried about that. Kansas is in the bottom 20 of the country in passing the ball. In their last game, quarterback Jason Bean was 11 of 21 for 80 yards and an interception. Really not inspiring stuff against Texas Tech. This Oklahoma defense is better than Texas Tech by the numbers. And again, you know, I think Oklahoma, we have to look at them. They're, they're a bit of a different team now with Caleb Williams at the helm. He's changed his offense, and for that reason, I expect OU to run away from Kansas. Next week, they play Texas Tech. So I wouldn't necessarily call this a look-ahead spot for Oklahoma. They do have a big game uh, against Baylor after that Texas Tech game, but I wouldn't really suspect that they're going to overlook Kansas in this game. We have to keep remembering here that these top teams you re, you constantly have to differentiate yourself in the college football playoff race. You constantly have to put your best tape you you have to put your best tape out there. It doesn't necessarily matter what your record is. The college football playoff committee has proven time and time again that two lost teams can be ranked over one lost teams if they feel like they're putting better tape out there. So Oklahoma really needs to continue to be impressive here. And Caleb Williams doesn't want to give this job back to Spencer Rattler. It feels like Lincoln Riley's looking for any reason to, so Rattler doesn't transfer. Uh, so I like Oklahoma here. I'm not, I'm not afraid of Kansas, is the takeaway message. Going into our second game of the week, I took UAB laying 23 at home against Rice. Uh, one thing you can say about UAB, they just blow people out. I don't think UAB is afraid to be mean, and that's that's good when you're trying to cover a number. UAB is is a prolific rushing offense. They run 61% of the time. That's going to be top 15 in the country for rush rate. That, that puts them, if you take out the service academies, which obviously the triple option teams who run excessive amounts, I think Air Force runs 90% of the time. If you take out those three big service academies, that would put UAB in the top seven of rushing off. Uh, Right now, they're 88th in offensive rushing success rate. We'd like to see that number be a little bit better, but they are 48th in the most explosive offense, in explosive offense. So we know that they can get big plays that are going to get them uh, positive points added to, to uh, to their record. Rice is 110th in defensive rushing success rate, and they're 99th in defensive explosiveness. So I like the explosiveness here from UAB. They can get a quick touchdown if we need it, which again is important for covering a number, especially if we're coming up short late in the game. They can get those big plays and get us over the hump. Uh, Right now, UAB is 65th in offensive points per drive, which is about average by the numbers. There's 130 teams in college football. Rice is 113th in defensive points per drive. So I love that discrepancy there for UAB. They should be able to get... Get some points up here. Looking at the Rice offense, Rice is pretty similar to UAB. Both of these teams run a ton. Rice runs about 59% of the time. The difference is they're 102nd in rushing success rate. So they run just about as much as UAB, and they're much worse off. They're not very efficient. They're 94th in offensive line yards, and they're 53rd in offensive stuff rate. So I expect the UAB defensive line here to take away some of what Rice wants to do, which is run the ball. And if you look at, the speaking of the UAB defense, what numbers do we have there? Well, I'm so glad you asked. UAB right now is 15th in defensive rushing success rate. They're 33rd in stuff rate, and they're 8th in defensive line yards. So if we talk about that 8th in defensive line yards from UAB versus the 94th in offensive line yards, to me, that says that they should control the line of scrimmage, which coming up against an opponent that, that runs nearly 60% of the time, that's just paramount. If we look, let's say the run's not working for Rice. What, what can they do differently? Can they change the mojo? UAB's also really good defending the pass. Right now they rank 21st in the country in defensive passing success rate. So I don't really expect Rice's offense to be able to do much of anything in this game. And I like to bring this stat up when we're trying to cover a three-touchdown number or more. What do we see in, in terms of Havoc? So right now, Rice is, or I'm sorry, UAB is 63rd in defensive Havoc. So again, they're, they're like an average team in enforcing Havoc. Rice is 116th in allowing Havoc. So going back to the line of scrimmage thing that I brought up and, this, and the Havoc numbers, I expect some tackles for loss here, maybe even a pick. Uh, we say it almost every single week, but Havoc is going to be your tackles for loss, plus your passes defensed, plus your forced fumble percentage. So if you have a high havoc, we can expect tackles for loss. We can expect passes defense, um, maybe some batted balls, maybe even some interceptions. If you remember back to last week's episode, we talked about central Michigan and Toledo and how they were high in havoc. Central Michigan had 11 and a half tackles for loss in that game. That's insane. And that's, that's got, it's a huge contributing factor as to how we got that under, because we got through by the skin of our teeth. I can't imagine where we would have been without the tackles for loss. So, um, I love the Havoc here. I love the defensive numbers from UAB, and I know they can score. So I am laying 23 at home against Rice. And finally, my last game of the week, I'm only going to take three games. I won't fill Josh's uh, six slots here. We are going to pour one out for him, but we're going to go with my picks this week just because he may not even be able to check his picks. So going into our last pick here, I took (laughs) Brocktober, baby. I took Iowa State laying seven at home versus Oklahoma State. We, I already mentioned this in the intro. Brock, to- Brock Purdy is now eleven and two in his career straight up in the month of October. It's uncanny. It's hard to even bet against at this time. At this point, Iowa State's finally hitting their stride on both sides of the ball. Their offensive numbers look good. So their offensive PPA, they're 16th. They're 31st in offensive passing success rate. They're 80th in rushing success rate, which. That's not the greatest number, but they are 36th in offensive line yards. So who that falls upon, where the blame falls upon there, if you're, if you're doing that well in offensive line yards and not that well in a rushing success rate, to me, that says that your running backs could be doing a little bit better than they are. We know that Oklahoma State has an elite defense. Look, it's been said many times this year, Oklahoma State's identity has always been that they're an offensive team. Before his disappointing last season, Chuba Hubbard was a Heisman candidate as a running back, and now he plays for the Carolina Panthers. And Spencer Sanders, in his own right, was a solid quarterback, but they lost Tylon Wallace. They lost important pieces on that offense, and it's just not the same. So what did they do? Well, instead of trying to go out and get transfers on the offensive side, they just made the defense really good. So these Oklahoma State defensive numbers look stout. Uh, They're 22nd in defensive PPA. They're 26th in defensive success rate, 30th in passing success rate, they're 30th in defensive line yards, and they're 26th in tw- they're 26th in defensive success rate. So uh, these numbers look really good for OSU. I'd be worried to bet against them, but I think this game will be close. But what this really comes down to is can Iowa State prevent points? And it's not just about what you can put up on the scoreboard. When you're the favorite, you've got to also prevent points. It's a dual-threat game. here. It's a, it's a dual-task game. I already mentioned it, but we know Oklahoma State has a poor offense. They're 97th in offensive success rate. They're 105th in rushing success rate. So not a good rushing offense here. They're 62nd in offensive explosiveness. So I don't really have to worry about explosive plays here. And that poor offense has to go up against an Iowa State defense that their numbers are pretty much on par with the Oklahoma State defense that's getting national acclaim. They're 46th in defensive success rate, 26th in defensive explosiveness, so I don't expect them to give up any big plays in this game. 44th in defensive line yards, and they're top 50 in both passing and rushing success rates. So... If you look at those numbers going up against the poor offense of Oklahoma State, I'm not I'm not worried at all. Um, so I, I don't know why you wouldn't necessarily be confident in Iowa State in this game. Looking at some more numbers, they're 25th in defensive havoc. So 25th, I expect the, the Iowa State defense to be blowing up some OSU drives. Uh, I, I I could see OSU in some third and thirteens and you know. Long fourth downs and having to punt. So I know Oklahoma State can't match the offensive output from Brock Purdy and the Cyclones. Both of these defenses seem to be difficult matchups. Uh, I don't think either one of these defenses is a pushover by any means. Again, we talk about Oklahoma State's defense like, like they're a top five defense this year. But when we dig into the advanced numbers, Iowa State's right there with them in lockstep. Stranger things have happened, but you know what? Give me the Cyclones and Ames in the month of October. So we're going Iowa State minus seven here. This is a pretty quick episode this week. It's only going to be 20 minutes because we didn't have Josh's other three picks. Uh, but just in recap, we've got Oklahoma minus 38.5 at Kansas. UAB minus 23 at home against Rice. And we're laying seven at home against Oklahoma State with the Cyclones. Um, as always... Please leave us a review. Find us on Twitter at the two point conversion or at the two point. That's the number two. No conversion in there. I I messed that up. Um, And and most importantly, leave us a review. Uh, These reviews really help us know what direction we should take the podcast. And, And always, you know, we want to please you guys, the listeners. We had a review last week. Just somebody said, you know what, I made money tailing these guys. That's enough to keep us going. It's really encouraging to know that the work that we put into this every single week because there is work that we put in off air when we're researching these picks, um, especially because of all the statistics that we bring you. You're constantly in a comparative mode, and that takes time. Um, but we love what we do, and we love it even more when you guys give us feedback and tell us that you like it. So uh, leave a review, hit us up on Twitter, tell us what bet you like, tell us what you didn't like, let us know if you made money, and as always, Lego...